Hello, and welcome to the 15th episode of Pin Count, the podcast where we go deep into the tech. We're not your normal tech news podcast. We'll dig into the APIs, look at the tech specs, and sweat the details. We're not journalists, we're developers and computer scientists. I'm Douglas Shearer, and I'm here with my co-host Ian Wallace. Hi, So we've got a bit of a special this week. We're going to have you give me a presentation of a presentation that you gave to some colleagues a few weeks ago. That makes it sound more complicated than it is. I think um, we're just going to address that bit in the intro which says we're computer scientists. Because I'm definitely a computer scientist, don't know about you. I've got um, a piece of paper that says I'm a computer scientist. <laughs> okay, I've got several. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I gave a talk recently on the topic of what is AI? And I thought it was quite interesting. Um, so and people seem to enjoy it, so I thought I'd try and do it as a podcast form. So... You don't need to see the slides for this, really. Um, Doug will paint a beautiful word picture of anything that's important. And, um, yeah, we'll just see how this works, see if it works at all. Okay, cool. Let's do this. Um, Okay, so the first slide I've got up, which the listeners obviously can't see, um, I've stuck my name and title on there. It's Dr. Ian Wallace. Don't normally use it in the (laughs) intro. And this is important because... Some of what is AI is a matter of opinion, and people argue. This this whole talk came about after an argument in the work Slack channel about what exactly AI was. So the doctor bit is important because anyone that's got a doctor listening will know that just means I'm a world expert in something so niche that no one else cares about it. But in this particular case, it's a field of AI, and that's, that is what my doctor is in. So this is my kind of shorthand for I'm an expert, so argue with me if you want, but, you know, you're probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but then the stuff in this presentation that I know is simplified and is, is wrong as well. So, yeah, feel free to pull me up on anything that you're thinking. Hang on. That sounds good. The reason this is an interesting topic is, as as I alluded to, there's quite a bit of debate about what AI is. Nobody really knows or you know says. But then that in itself, if I ask that question, right, that's that's quite interesting. What does it even mean to know something, right? Yeah. And, yeah, of course, we have machinery for doing this. We can reason about reasoning itself. And you do this with um, the mathematics of modal logic. So you've got epistemic modal logic and stochastic modal logic. And these are the logics of knowledge and belief. Um, It's not just that. There's obviously mathematics to talk about temporal logics, dynamic logics, linear or branching time logics, um, dynamic objects, logics of action. Um, And it's, it's just another mathematics and Here's kind of an example of what some of it looks like for you. Yeah, that looks super fun. <laughs> yeah, so... S- sadly, some of it, um, I well, I don't understand the actual the, the sort of statements, but I recognise some of the symbols and some of the... Um... Yeah, so, I mean, it should come as no surprise. I mean, we use, we use mathematics to model the world, and, you know, you learn about simple addition. You can say, oh, if I have five apples and I give you two apples, I've got three apples, and I can write that down as five minus two equals three. And then later on, you learn, you can substitute these these numbers for letters and do algebra and do all sorts of wonderful things with algebra. And then you learn calculus and you can reason over the rates of change of things and continuous time periods. And then you might learn a bit of logic and you, you've probably done some work on logic gates and things like that. Yeah. Yep. Um, you might even know a bit about um, grammars and things like that. And, you know, we might have seen some Bacchus Nauer form to describe the, the grammars of programming languages and and their syntax um and be aware of the you know the different classes of grammar and regular expression and so on and how you can reason over these things and then this is just a extension of logic so it should come as no surprise as a mathematics for reasoning about knowledge and belief and that that's that's what this is 
Um, this is specifically what I'm an expert in. This is a screenshot out of my PhD uh, thesis. Um, but this is all a bit hardcore. So um, the next series of slides, there are a series of pictures. So I thought I'd go for some easier examples of what, to make you think about what is and isn't AI. So I'll show you a picture. You tell the audience what it is and tell me if you think it's an AI or not. This sounds like we're about to become the podcast robot or not. Right, yeah, quite similar. Uh, that, I stopped listening to that podcast because it made me angry after about two episodes. <laughs> I, th- I don't think it's meant to be a, a, um, serious serious opinions on what isn't isn't a robot. But it, it, it's sort of the same argument whether something's AI or not and whether it's a robot or not. It actually comes down to people's definitions. So, yeah, so I'm going to show you a few things, get you thinking about it, and then I'm going to explain what I'd give as my definition and I'll see what you think of it. And uh, hopefully I'll convince you and the listeners. What about this? So this is an Amazon Alexa, or is it? What's the device called? It's an Echo. An Echo, yeah. And you address okay. Alexa. Is and that the, an AI? I don't think so. No. No. Why not? Um, does it really know things, or is it just natural language processing and then taking information from that? And well, we've just had the discussion on what knowledge is, right? Yeah. Uh, so okay, okay. So maybe it knows things, but I don't think it. It doesn't have the ability to then take that. So this is the difficult thing about the definition. Like it can't take that knowledge and extrapolate from it. Right. That's interesting. We'll come. We'll come back to that. You've hit on one of the interesting points. Uh, what's going on here? So this is so. This is meant to be a self-driving car. It looks like a Tesla, and it's identifying objects in the environment, such as yeah. cars, pedestrians. Is this AI? I mean, it's moving around in the world, it's acting on its senses, it's, you know, doing something all by itself. So, yeah, I mean, here the stimulus, instead of being natural language, is the the environment around it, the actual physical world. Is it AI? It has a, it's using a bunch of rules to make decisions and act upon the, the environmental stimuli. Um, I suppose people would say it's AI. Yeah, I mean, I mean, all of this. I mean, as I said, it's debatable. So it's just you know, it's just what you got feeling. We to describe it as an AI system. I mean, yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, I think most people would that one. Uh, what about this? Oh, this is Google. Um, I think Google's the same deal as the Amazon Echo. It's it is clever. It sometimes appears like AI, but it's just answering questions based on a set of known rules. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing about this. Uh, the slide is the Google search box, and it's it's not just a list of results, right? Because you can you can ask it things. You can ask it when sunset, and it'll give you it'll know where you are and use geolocation on the IP to work out exactly. So it's doing something cleverer than just search. But yeah, um, what's this? Okay, so this is Netflix. Specifically, what is it though? So this this is a recommendation. The recommendation here is because you watched Marvel's Luke Cage, and then it's got a bunch of sort of alternative um, content, including Daredevil. Um, I would say this is not AI, and the reason I would give for this is there was the we should talk about it at some point. The Netflix competition a few years back, it was almost a decade ago, maybe more than a decade yeah, ago. Which big was prize, about, you know, yeah, yeah re- Netflix prize recommending and ranking um, movies for an individual user, and most of the solutions at that time were based around um, statistical methods. I'm sure now they've maybe got deep learning happening. What is deep learning if not a way of learning a higher order function from a statistical analysis of a lot of data? Eh? Um, but I, I don't know. I could make the argument. I mean, it's, it's perceiving things about about me, what I've watched, what I enjoy. It's learning things about the world, what other people are watching, and it's suggesting things based on that. I mean, it's when does it become just statistics, and when is it AI? Is an interesting thing to think about. But yeah, I mean, I chose all these examples to make you think about different things, right? They're all kind of different aspects. What about this? What have we got here? 
So this time we've got The Terminator, which would say, well, first of all, it's a movie. Yeah, that, that's the correct answer. <laughs> the work of a uh, movie fiction by James Cameron. But then the what is represented in that movie, I'd argue that is AI. I mean, it's fictionalised, but... I think most people would consider that AI, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, especially as it's presenting to be a human. I mean, this is... The, the, this brings up the issue of the anthropomorphic things being human-like in nature. <laughs> Anthropomorphized or anthropomorphic. Yeah, that's the one. Not confused, confused with anamorphic, but yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think that that's, it brings up the kind of human element, which is interesting. Okay, what about this? I think this is this is my favourite example. Right, so this is Google, this is Google Maps or any sort of mapping application. Oh, but this in particular, there's a lot going on here. Right. Yeah, so the, the information, it's got the traffic information on it and it's giving you a route. It might not necessarily be the shortest route, but it might be the fastest route. Oh, but it's more, it's more than this, right? Because if I start moving, it knows where I'm going. It knows if I've gone the wrong way. It talks to me and tells me to go the other way. It's even clever than that. It's been reading my emails and knows I'm going to be in a certain place at a certain time, as you can see there. Um, I mean, this, there's a lot of clever stuff going on here. I mean, how is this any different from the Terminator who knows where he's going and knows if he's gone the wrong way? I think I don't think this is AI. This is just clever rules. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a fine distinction. Mm. Okay, so this is an interesting question because what, what, what are you, if you just describe what you're looking at here? So it's a it's a BuzzFeed BuzzFeed article. Twenty two of Lady Gaga's most weird, wonderful, and goddamn iconic looks. Right. So there's there's, there's two examples of AI I've put on here. Do you, do you know what they are? So one is going to be the ads you're served. Yeah, that's one. Um, which isn't AI. I do a bit of that for my work. Um, and as much as people tell you it's AI that decides which ad you get, it's definitely not. Um, and the other one is. Yeah, it's the fact it's a listicle. Like I chose this particularly because when you look at, if I sent you a link to this page, you wouldn't see the same page I screenshotted. They they are changing the ordering of the list and even sometimes the contents of the list on every page view to optimize for the the most interesting combination of uh, Lady Gaga's most weird, wonderful, and goddamn iconic looks to get you on the page the longest. It's it's not oh, the same every time. That, that is that is really impressive. I will be going to look about that. Look up. Look that up later on. Yeah, but is is it AI? I mean, it's really similar to the Netflix thing. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting example. I think. Yeah. Um. What about, what about this? Is this AI? <laughs> so the, this looks like one of your uh, uh, robotic work colleagues in a desert. Yeah, it's a prototype Mars rover test bed in, in the desert. <laughs> but it's, yeah, I mean, it's a robot. It doesn't speak to you or anything. Um, it, but if it's making its own decisions autonomously, then explores the world it's AI. itself. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I thought, I'll ask an AI what an AI looks like. So I did a Google image search for artificial intelligence. And what do you think an AI looks like from this? Well, it's lots of sort of fictionalized images of um it's a glowing brain brain. yeah glowing brains brain neurons and the robot from irobot the movie yeah so glowing brains are clearly what an ai is Mm. so then i think it's having looked at these different things it's interesting to consider what are the different types of ai what is ai good for um i mean i've kind of got a snarky tweet up here about the entity benefiting benefiting most from the ai hype is the government of angula (laughs) because they've got the ai tld yeah um, so before we dive into that again, it's interesting to think, okay, what was AI again? I've not actually said what I think AI is. And, well, I kind of characterize it as it's a system that 
is learning about and understanding the world and acting in it. Uh, and to do that, you need five things. And that's how I'm going to break down the rest of this talk. So I think you need perception. You need to perceive the world around you, see and understand things. You need to be able to reason over this. So, you know, what, see what you can see in the world and reason on this. You need to plan for the future. You need memory. You need to remember things and learn from them. And you need to predict as well as planning for the future. That involves some prediction about what will happen in the future. And I would say if you have all of these five things, then you have an AI system. Um, I don't know what you think about the definition. You think that's missing anywhere? Mm, that seems reasonable, I think. And it's right. an interesting test if you go back and apply it to the previous examples. A lot of them will maybe have some of those things, but maybe not all of them. Yeah. Um, but the point I'd make is, you may not consider it to be an AI in most people's terms of the world, but you're definitely employing AI techniques if you're using any one of these things or categories that fall into any one of these. So I thought splitting about like this is quite a natural way to give a brief overview of AI techniques. I mean, the rough the rough level I'm kind of targeting this talk at is if you go away with them, a couple of interesting things to go off and have a Google of, then that's that's done well. I mean, the, the details don't matter. It's, it's, it's the ideas that matter. Um, so a big, a big thing... In perception is computer vision. This is a lot of people. This is a self-driving car, things like that. Um, what are the key elements of computer vision? Well, the kind of the lowest level you've got features. Um, so this is typically you have things like feature detectors. So that's where you say, okay, there's a thing here in an image. You've detected a, a corner or a line or something. Uh, you get feature descriptors or feature vectors. And this is like the fingerprint of a feature. Um, so given you can detect features in an image or a pair of images, you can generate some sort of feature descriptor or feature vector, a sort of fingerprint, then you can match between two images. So this is feature detectors and descriptors. This is all about relating images to each other, um, seeing things, visual fingerprints of the scene. Um, and I've got an example here where it's matching uh, a, a sort of straight on image of um, a book and then finding it in a photo of a scene where it's at a different angle and different lighting and so on. Other, there's other things you can do with images. So um, if you can describe what you're seeing, what's going on here, do you think? So this is de detecting distinct, is it, it looks like coins, um, distinct yeah. objects in a scene. Yeah, so this is this is segmentation. The, the photos of coins and then they're being split up into different objects and this is this is the techniques by which you do things. You know, segmentation is what are the different things in this image. And semantic segmentation, which you might read about, is this is attribute meaning to these segments. So this is saying not only are there however many different things in this image, they're all coins, or maybe they're different things. And you do this with gradients in the color, with texture, which is typically frequency domain measures, intensity measures, finding edges, clustering with k-means, things like this. Um, this example comes out of OpenCV. That's a, a big... Uh, well popular li well popularized library for doing computer vision type things then the next thing is related to all this we also have tracking so if, if you can see this what are we seeing here it's a it's a drone shot or it looks like i can't tell from its shadow it's some some sort of flying vehicle that is detecting and uh, marking out a vehicle on the ground yeah so this is this is to do with tracking so if you can extract information about it, so you can you know you can find these features then you can match you know you can relate images together and if you have a sequence of images and it stands to reason you should be able to track things through the image and this is yeah it's a small aircraft flying along here in this case and ju just to reference back to that earlier i know what i'm talking about point this is um video from one of my papers that's all very well and good that's um perception in 
in a sort of two D plane image, but then how do how do computers or AIs reason about the world in three D? Um, well, actually, I'd say it's it's actually six degrees of freedom because you need to know where you are in X, Y, and Z, and you also want to know which direction you're pointing, which is another three degrees. So, a very popular approach here is stereo vision. So, this is how a human sees. This is kind of quite understandable. If you've, you can imagine if you have one camera looking at a scene, you can measure properties of the camera and know how it distorts the image, and then you can uh, understand things about the relationship in a scene. But what you don't have is scale because you have no real world measurement to compare to. But yeah. if you have two cameras viewing the same scene, and remember all that feature matching I just talked about? Well, if you can match it between two cameras of the same scene and you know how far apart those cameras are, then suddenly you can do a bit of trigonometry, basically, and calculate the depth to every point in that scene. And this lets you build up a depth map with stereo vision. And this is it's typically used for, well, Mars rovers is the example I'm familiar with. Um, it's used in a lot, of other, a lot of other areas as well. This is how, roughly speaking, it's how a, a Kinect or something like that, Microsoft Kinect works or things like that, depth yep. cameras and so on. Um, they're actually slightly different. They're not two cameras. It's projected light and another camera measuring that projected light, but it's a similar idea. And then what can you do from this? Um, can you? I don't know. Can you tell what this is? What's on this slide? This is like a scene of perhaps a, 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 it looks like a, like a, a lake or a football field or something. You're trying to pick out objects round about it. Yeah. So what's what? What you're seeing here is it's a 3D reconstruction of a scene. You can kind of see the bottom, like the bottom views. There are 3D views of a scene. There's a blue line going along there, and that's the track that the camera took. So this is. This is SLAM, which stands for Simultaneous Location and Mapping. So this is the idea. This is exact, kind of exactly how a human behaves. When you walk into a room, you can walk back out the door because you know where you came into the room. Even if you haven't had a map, you you know you're keeping track of things, where you are in relationship to the door, what other objects were in the room, and so on. Keeping track of where they are. You have a kind of mental model in your mind, and then you can turn around and walk back out the door. And this, this is the computer kind of doing the same thing, but in more detail. So this is, if you have a different ways of doing it this example is uh, an algorithm called lsd slam but take for example stereo images take a single view of the world you can combine them together and then you build up the 3d model as you go at the same time as you're working out the, the track that the camera took through the scene so that's what this is yeah if you've ever seen any video reconstructions where someone's waving a connect around and getting a 3d model in real time it's, it's that sort of thing okay so then that's that's a very brief overview of some types of perception. So the next thing I said is prediction. And well, what, what do I mean by prediction? Well, this is classifiers. And what's a classifier? Single example here is, what's the picture on the screen? I know it says under it, but... It's a giraffe. I really, right. I really, I really hope this is going to be up to date talk about um, giraffe identification. It's not, not quite state of the art in the fact that we can tell the different types of giraffe. <laughs> but... The whole point of a classifier is, is, what am I looking at, right? Can I predict what I'm seeing? So you've seen giraffes before, that's how you knew it was a giraffe. Or maybe yeah. you've never seen a giraffe and you just read my label underneath. It's equally possible. <laughs> um, but I think anyone would identify that as a giraffe, even if they haven't seen this particular photo before. Um, and then, so what classifiers are doing, they're taking some sort of perceptual information. In this case, it would be uh, feature descriptors that I mentioned earlier. And then you're trying to say, are they a giraffe or are they something else? Um, so on the left, and this is a hard one, I mean, maybe you can try and describe what, what I've got on the left there. So this looks like a graph with um, a sort of trend line or a, a, um, some sort of marker line on the chart, and then there is points to either side of it, and some of them are, are marked pink and some of them are marked blue. Right, yeah, it's a reasonable description. So the line is trying to split the, 
the pink things away from the blue things and you can kind of see it's mostly done it there's a few that are on the wrong side of the line but it's yeah. just, and it's evenly it's it's evenly between the two right it's it's as in the middle as it could be right yeah. for a straight line so this is a rough illustration of a type of classifier called a support vector machine and so what it's doing is the trick is if you can imagine so i said you can have these feature descriptors so like a fingerprint of interest of things that you can detect in the image now what do they actually look like well it's just a vector it's just a list of numbers right yeah so imagine the simplest possible case where it's two numbers right um and then we can plot them as x y so these dots represent feature vectors yeah yep. Uh, you know, maybe the pink ones on one side of the line are giraffes and the blue ones are octopuses or something, yep. right? Then the task of training a classifier is you show all these examples that you know about and then you're trying to learn the function which splits them evenly. And that's what the support vectors are about. That part of the algorithm describes the fact that you have vectors specifying that your line is equally between the two. Yeah. Uh, and that's, broadly speaking, how you build a classifier. You just need to learn the line that divides your set of examples. So I imagine in a real example, you use many multiple dimensions, not just two, and then you're trying to fit some sort of plane into them that is one dimension less. Um, no, well, that's that's interesting. Yes, broadly speaking, that's right. It might not be a plane. It could just needs to be a surface, right? Okay. And then how complex that surface is obviously affects the power of your classifier. And it could be more or less dimensions because imagine if the line was discontinuous in this dimension so it wasn't a single continuous line if it was okay. if this in, if a line in two dimensions looked like it was split it might actually be we're just seeing a two-dimensional slice through a three-dimensional surface that right. is uh, more complex but that that's like the maths of that and projective geometry is just getting a bit out of hand but <laughs> so in, in, what we're doing in trying to find that fit line or plane or surface that's the training part of it yeah it's given enough examples can you learn a good line and then if you see other examples, do they fit the same rules? That's, okay. that's what it comes down to. Um, and then you do, SVMs in particular, do all kinds of tricks with to deal with the fact that you've got these very high dimensional things, um, generally referred to as kernel tricks, if you want to start Googling things. This is using things like, for some vectors, if you know any vector maths, you can use the dot product to approximate geometric properties and so on. You can do things like this to um, deal with the complexity of your vectors. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's basically how any classification works. It's, you learn a function. That's all it comes down to is plot the line that splits two things, and then uh, when you see a new thing, you just say which side the lines are. So do you know what this is? Do you describe what you see, maybe, and then maybe as you describe it, you'll realise what it is. Um, this 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 looks like a Google uh, Google Trends chart, and I'm going to yep. guess this is for the phrase AI. No, it's not AI. There's some more clues on it. Uh, what so else? What else is of note? I've even helpfully annotated part of it. Yeah, so there's like a little peak sometime in like 2012 or early 2013. Yep, 2012. And then on the chart, there's lots of mentions of South Korea. The, the, the highest country is South Korea, then China, then Singapore, then Hong Kong. Yeah. Do you know what it is? I have no idea. No. So tw the spike in 2012 was a clue. 2012 was when deep learning became a thing. Okay. Um, It's the, the sort of uh, seminal AlexNet um, where... Dangerous use of the word first, but let's say first. It's first as far as most people are concerned, I think. Person to train a deep network, a deep neural network, a many-layered neural network on GPUs. And then on the ImageNet challenge, which is an image classification challenge, suddenly they went from you know 30% error rates, boom, right up to 15% error. And now it's less than 3% error with these techniques. So hence the explosion in interest over time, because these things, the idea is that 
these things are incredible. This is the new hotness. We've talked about deep learning before. What is deep learning? Um, this is a slide that doesn't work so well in audio form. Um, I've just there's a there's a great article written by someone called Adit Deshpand. I think that's how you say it. And the article title is the nine deep learning papers you need to know about. It's a good one because it's got some nice diagrams of the sort of things you generally see when you look at deep learning papers. What is deep learning? Well, the simplest way I could describe it, I could do a whole talk on it. It's compositional models trained end to end with a hierarchical representation. And what does that mean? It means you've got layers and layers of things. So at your simplest layer, you maybe look at individual pixels and then you learn that, okay, vertical lines and diagonal lines are important. And then you kind of, a bit higher level than that, you go down a few more layers and you maybe learn that, okay, I can compose these together and maybe circles are important because they represent eyes. Yeah. Things like that. That's what deep learning is. So you have these very complex models. Why do they need GPUs and lots of power to train? Well, it's effectively you're learning a very complex function with millions of parameters. And the way you make this even work at all is you feed lots and lots of data through it. I mean, it's data that drives deep learning. It's the availability of data, the availability of computation to you know take advantage of it. And then this this is quite a fun example. So, um, so screenshot from a paper. So it doesn't work doesn't work so well in the audio form. But do you know what's going on here? This looks like pictures of birds, but not pictures of birds that were taken. Pictures of birds that were generated using what a neural network thinks the bird should look like, or the right. optimal bird should look like. Right, precisely. It's a bit clever than that. So this is something. This is the output of something called a stack GAN. So what it is is the, the network has been trained on many pictures of birds and the captions that go with them, right? And then once you've done that, you can run the thing. To say running the thing backwards is not quite correct, but it's a good intuition. And you can write a description of a bird. It doesn't have to be a description of a bird it's seen before. You can just make up a bird. And then it generates the picture. So you say, a white bird with a black crown and a yellow beak. And it creates what looks like a photo. It's not quite right, is it? But It's what if you, if you fed it into the model, it would give you the description back. No, no, what this has done, this, the pictures you're seeing are generated by the model. No, but I mean, if you took the yeah. picture that generates and gave it back yes. to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, it's pretty good. Like These look like photos of real birds. I mean, the one in the far right is a bit odd, but <laughs> it's pretty good though, right? It's quite, it's quite impressive, yeah. So I'll try and find all these links that you're not. So I've got them in the slides, so it should be fairly easy. And then it can also be used for things like I mentioned segmentation earlier. So this is an example. It's just a image being coloured in by a neural network where you can imagine, uh, I don't know, how would you describe this? It's a street scene and it's coloured in separately. Things like the... the, the, the Roadway for cars, the pavement or sidewalk at the side, lamp posts, the buildings, some of the people, that sort of things. Yeah, I mean, that's it's the same thing. It's again, this deep learning is applied to lots of things. Um, this is another nice example. So I don't know if you can work out what's going on here. It's quite a quick video, but um, it's a similar image generation thing. Um, so so this is instead of giving, giving your model a text description, you paint a rough outline using a very simple paint program and then it gives you images that match that. Yeah, so basically someone's drawing what would be like, I don't know, a three or four year old using Microsoft Paint drawing of a mountain and it generates what looks like a an almost, you know, more photorealistic image of a mountain based on this because you're providing, you know, hints to it. Quite, quite fun. This is generative visual manipulation on the natural image manifold. Uh, nice paper from ECCV16 if anyone's looking for it. But yeah, so these are great promises, so much promise with neural networks. That's why they are the hottest. They can do these amazing things. And another recent example from uh, January is they've trained a, a deep network that can recognize skin cancer from photographs better than human experts can. 
Um, this is a particularly interesting case because what they train it on is not just the photos. They train it on the photos and the results of the medical tests done afterwards. So okay. it has access to information to learn from that a person wouldn't have looking at the images. And the reason it can do better than a human is it can learn to see things in an image that a human wouldn't spot. Yeah. And the reason is because it's been fed 127,000 photos of possibly cancerous um, skin conditions. And no human has looked at that many. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the great promise of sort of AI in the medical space is that you end up with, it's like having one doctor that's seen every single incidence of, in this case, skin cancer. Yeah, and then if people are thinking, why, why is this the new hotness? Well, I've also the paper here, Delving Deep into Rectifiers, Surpassing Human Level Performance in ImageNet Classification by Kai Ming He and others. This is the this is the paper from Microsoft researchers where finally a deep neural network could understand what was an image for a particular benchmark task better than humans. This was when you know Skynet became self-aware, if you want to think of it like that. And that was in February 2015. So it's not foolproof though i mean this is something again this doesn't work on a podcast i mean we discussed before in a previous episode how um you could fool um deep learning systems listening to audio by feeding them carefully crafted audio this is the same thing for images these crazy patterns of noise that it classifies as cheetahs or king penguins even though they don't look anything like that yeah we previously talked about a paper where they had them um, sunglasses with specially printed patterns on them that would fool facial recognition yeah, and deep learning, as I've mentioned, it's not just used for images. I mean, there's this wonderful article in the New York Times magazine called The Great AI Awakening. It's online, you can go and read it. And this is how Google basically made Google Translate amazingly better overnight by applying neural networks uh, way quicker than they expected. So planning is the next thing uh, I mentioned about. You've got to understand the world and then you've got to act on it. And this is things like path planning. So this is how do you know where to go through a map? This is the kind of Google Maps example. That's one one kind of sort of planning. You also get classical planning, um, and this is where you describe you describe the world in some simplified symbolic form that you can reason over. And you know, you see this example here is robotic soccer simulation. So um, the world is described in terms of quarters of the pitch and actions you can take, such as pass from one robot to another, and then you can you know produce plans predicting into the future based on this representation of the world and the actions you can take in it. I mentioned reasoning as well. You've got to reason over information. And how, what are the techniques for this? Well, this is stuff like logic programming. So this is your prologues and your progols and your agent speak and all your niche languages that no one's ever heard of and I was into before they were cool. <laughs> oh, in prologue's case, after they're cool. Yeah, I did, I, I did prologue in school. Yeah. So I, I, this is, a, I've got a screenshot here of an example of some example of logic programming. This is, this is in particular, is agent speak L. Ah, I don't know how would you describe this. It's, it's Basically, what you're seeing is a sequence of rules and it's reacting to particular events. So some of it is it reacts to change in the knowledge base. Some of it is reacting to things happening. Some of it is creating intentions, which are satisfied by plans that the robot has and so on. That's, so it's um, it's very difficult. Different to typically in your programming, you say what the computer should do and how it should do it. This you kind of provide um, a few little recipes for how to do things and then what you should do in particular situations and it's kind of uh, up to the machine to figure out how to achieve those goals. Okay. And effectively, that comes down to how you comes down to search and how you work through this. Um, and then, if I'm just saying, well, okay, it's just search. What well, what is and what isn't AI? And this is kind of arguable. Where do you draw the line? Right? Is search AI? Um, and then 
This is a very bad joke I've got on this slide. I mean, what can you see in the background there? I'm not even sure. Yeah. It's boxes or lines connecting them, and then yep, that's a graph. The... Okay, it's that's a graph. It. Okay, that's an argumentation graph. This is this is how you reason about argumentation and how you change the minds of other people or other agents. And this okay. is the, there's of course a whole logic and maths behind arguing, and <laughs> that's a field of AI as well, of course. Um, so I mentioned search. So this is interesting. This is the antenna from a ST5 microsatellite and it was designed by a computer and I don't know, do you want to describe what the antenna looks like? Mm, it looks like someone randomly bent a piece of wire and stuck it into an antenna screw fixing. Right, yeah, precisely. This is a design that no human would come up with. The computer came up with the design and it outperforms any human design for this antenna and it did this through using genetic algorithms where you mutate a design and test it, mutate a design and test it. It's effectively a, a search mechanism but I mean do you call this AI? I mean the, the computer designed it and a human couldn't do that job. Um, is that AI? It's just yeah, I've seen, I've seen, yeah, I've seen genetic algorithms used for various things. I mean, there's popular in browser ones that design vehicles to follow a track, um, or to make their way along a track. And oh, is it AI? But this is this is a practical thing. The computer's designed the thing that a human could. I mean, that's that's that, yeah, for, that yeah. definition for most people would be an AI. Yeah. So and then yeah, memory. Um, someone I've forgotten to talk about so far. Um, and what sort of things you can hear? Well, big thing about ontologies is, is ontologies. This is memory is all about um, remembering things about the world, and understanding their relations. And ontologies are how you describe um, relations between things, the classes of things you can know about, uh, any restrictions on what they are, rules about them, axioms to reason over them. What are the different events that can happen? Um, what does that practically look like? This big gnarly screenshot of XML I've got here. Um, this is primarily what's behind things like Google's Knowledge Graph, things like that. Uh, this this particular screenshot is a bunch of RDF describing or oh, it's friend of a friend stuff describing them what music people like and how it relates to other people's musical tastes. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's how how do you represent knowledge itself, and that's that's necessary. To, you need to structure things to remember them. It's not enough just to record the information. It needs to have meaning. So what now? You obviously want to make an AI. Who doesn't want to make an AI, right? You can uh, get register your .AI domain, raise the money, and uh, fail fast. Blame the market conditions, as uh, this practical dev tweet says. Um, so how, how would you start, right? What some fun things? This is pretty cool. It's, um, it's related to perception. It's machine vision. And this is uh, seam carving. For someone that doesn't know what seam carving is, even if you don't know what the technique is, or if you've never seen this before, you must have. Can you describe what you're seeing? Yeah, so it's adjusting the the dimensions of an image, but doing it not by stretching the image, or in this case, it's um, making the image smaller. It's, it's not by yeah, changing the... So this is resizing an image horizontally in this case, only it's not squash yep. it, squashing it. Every point as the image gets smaller, gets narrower, then it still looks like a real photo, right? It's yeah. never... I mean, I, I find this incredible. It's like magic. Yeah, I mean, this uh, Photoshop has features like this and they've got the content and we're filled where you can do the opposite thing. And to yeah, me, and it, like, it, that, that makes it really difficult to... Dis like, it, for me, this isn't AI. There's a complete... Uh, yeah, it's like... It's in Photoshop. It can't be AI. Like, that's right, just but it's, a, it's a perception technique, right? Because the computer yeah. is understanding the content of the image, so it removes the bits that you don't have to care about. Yeah. Anyway, so there's this nice, uh, there's a nice um, tutorial on Pi Image Search, a website called Seam Carving with OpenCV Python Scikit Image. So, if you've got half an hour and you can write fifty lines of Python, you can uh, implement this yourself and have a play around. It's a, f a fun little thing to do in an hour or two if you want to try a sort of 
what is debatably an AI technique, but it's certainly very cool and feed it your own images. Another thing, if you want, if you want to try deep learning, I'd say a great easy way to start uh, is NVIDIA have a piece of software called Digits, which stands for something I can't remember. But basically, what you get is a nice web interface into a bunch of popular deep learning frameworks, along with a bunch of great tutorials, so you can train a deep learning system, feed it images, and see if it can spot things in them. And it's, it's got all this kind of nice web GUI stuff. You do need a, a reasonably powerful GPU to train anything meaningful, but I mean, even the cheap Amazon GPU instances are, are enough to try this out, and you can get pre-configured AMIs to, um, with digits installed, so you can be playing for, you know, a dollar an hour sort of thing. Um, so this is quite fun if you want to get started with that. Um, you want to make a robot, that's an obvious thing. People think about AI, they think about robots. ROS is the Robotic Operating System, it's a big open source framework used a lot in academia for robotic systems because there's a lot of modules to do everything, right? If you're interested just in path planning, you can get modules to do your localization and drive your robot and so on. And it's it's also got a simulator called Gazebo, so you can use ROS and Gazebo and create a 3D world and drive a virtual robot around it. And, you know, get started with some of the existing modules and tutorials there. If you want to build a robot, it's a good place to start. And in general, I'd say go, go do some Python, right? Scikit-Image, Scikit-Learn are two big Python libraries um, that are pretty hot right now for doing image processing in general and machine learning for Scikit-Learn. Nearly all, if not all of the most popular deep learning frameworks um, have Python interfaces, so it's, you know, it's a good place to start. That's it. You got any questions? Yeah, that was all good. It must have been a good presentation to give to a team, especially after an, ar an argument in a Slack channel. So the, que the question is, did I succeed in my presentation? What do you remember from it? What, what are the three things you remember and you'll go away in Google? Um, I'm going to go and look up the BuzzFeed thing that you talked about. Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably go and look at some of the papers because, well, I always need more papers to read. Um, and I might go have a look at, like, especially the, the digits thing. We've talked about that before, but I've never actually got around to doing it. Um, and certainly I've not looked at it since I actually had, like, a, a GPU handy, so I might go and have a look at that. Yeah, oh, cool. Well, hopefully some other people get some interesting ideas to try or things that you can go and have a play with. And, uh, you know, I, I will know I have succeeded in, in my goal of uh, building practical AI systems that do useful things in the real world when a Terminator appears from the future to destroy me. <laughs> that's basically my success criteria is a killer robot from the future travelling through time or at, least the, or at least the killer robot from the future will arrive to tell you something you said that was wrong yeah yeah well I mean basically they need to stop me because it's getting it becomes self-aware so uh, thanks for listening to Pincount uh, we put the show notes online at pincountpodcast.com you can find me on twitter at the underscore accidental and you can find Doug at Douglas F. Shearer um, you can follow the show at Pincount Podcast. We love to get feedback, so you can tweet us, use the hashtag AshPincount, leave us a review on iTunes, or if you've got longer feedback or any particular comments about how this episode in particular went, giving a, a talk online, um, you can email us at wrongontheinternet at pincountpodcast.com. What's this you've got in the after show link? Mm, I'm not sure. I don't have the document open. Two seconds. Hang on. Hang on. Oh, it's that ridiculous RGB power supply. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a, it was a. I think it was a, It's not loading for me. It was a, a Reddit thread where someone said uh, it was. Like, oh, it's a VR ready power supply. Yeah, that's what? it. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the title of the post was "This is getting out of hand." And when you go, you, the, the image is someone who's got a power supply, and the list of features has VR ready. I don't know if I can have a power supply if it's not deep learning ready. <laughs>
Oh, it's, it's thermal take. I mean, they're a legitimate manufacturer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think I think um, maybe I can, uh, you know, buy some cheap power supplies, slap on a uh, deep learning ready, and uh, sell them at double the money. 